This is a podcast from Minute Media. All right. Welcome to the Viking Age podcast. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for thevikingage.com. And as always, joined by Chris Shedd, who writes for us here at the Viking Age, as well as Zone Coverage and Bring Me the News. Before we get started today, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like this video and subscribe to our channel. And if you've already done that, we greatly appreciate you. And also make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. All right, Chris, we're here. We're here. Football is back. Um, the back. Hall of Fame game. The Hall of Fame game is tonight between the Jaguars and Raiders. It's going to be a bloodbath. Now, there is a Vikings connection to this game as five former Vikings players are taking part in the matchup. Can you, Chris, can you name all five? former Vikings who are playing in tonight's Hall of Fame game between the Jaguars and Raiders. And I'll give you a hint. Two former Vikings are on the Jaguars, and three of them are on the Raiders. All right, so Laquan Treadwell is one of them because he's still on Jacksonville somehow. Excuse me. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'd love to play along with you. I have no idea. We got uh, Kyle Sloter on uh, the Jaguars as well. He's going to be the backup tonight, I think. Uh, then on the Raiders, we've got Daniel Carlson, of course. Um, mm. Amir Abdullah is in Oakland now. Not Oakland. Wow. He's in Las Vegas now uh, as the kick returner. And uh, Tashawn Bauer, who had uh, some some brief stints with the Vikings. So Viking, five Vikings everywhere in this game. <laughs> hey, man. The Hall of Fame game. That's where... That's where you know, some some guys got their starts. You know, Stefan Diggs, I remember in 2015, he had that long punt return. Uh, it was like his first game ever as a Viking. That was the Hall of Fame game against the Steelers. Um, and, you know, the legend started from there. Uh, so, yeah, Hall of Fame game. How tonight. many other legends started in the Hall of Fame game, Adam? Um, I don't know. I, 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 I can't think of it right now. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> tonight, I, I, think I, saw, I think I saw something where... To after after today, there will be a football game, at least one football game every week for uh, the rest of the year. So that's can I exciting. rant about the Hall of Fame game, though? Sure. Like, go right like ahead. seriously, I, I just I don't care. I, I don't care. I know I'm a football writer <laughs> and I'm supposed to uh-huh. eat, sleep, breathe football. Uh-huh. I, I don't care. Like getting four string guys all over the place like nobody's yeah. playing. I just saw a no. list for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. It's like. Travis Lawrence is out. Travis Etienne is out. Every, I mean, and you expect that, but I mean, there's nothing even like you can watch Kyle Sloter. Who cares? Because he has no idea what he's doing. Like he, like a drunk guy running offense. This is good. I, I don't care about Laquan Treadwell. I'm sorry. (laughs) Has he just done the endless stair workouts to get ready for this game or what? Did did he run stairs before the game? Maybe they can show that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I I don't mean to be so crabby, but I mean, come on. Like, uh, oh, think- there's football on tonight. Night. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> well, I think I saw the poster for it, and, and it had uh, Devonte Adams on it, and I was like, really? We know he's I not would play. I would rather watch a high school football game than the Hall of yeah. Fame game. Depends. Depends where, though. If you if you're talking like Texas, 
high school football or like, or you're just saying anywhere. Well, I mean, I wouldn't want to watch like Kenyon Wanamingo and uh, <laughs> Zambroda Mazeppa. No offense to those schools. If somebody, somebody from there, my DCI days, it's like shaking right now. Just like you, like, uh, <laughs> what's the scene in Anchorman where he's got the guy at the bar and he's like, nobody talks about my city like that. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Entire city of Casson is coming All for right. me now. Chris, uh, secret hatred for the Hall of Fame game. Um, we learn right. more about each other each week. <laughs> all right, let's talk some Vikings because some some interesting things happened this week. The week, uh, uh, or not the week, but like kind of after we recorded, uh, Irv Smith, um, I believe he like went out the field kind of when we were recording. He was coming off the field or left the field. We didn't know what was happening, but now we know he suffered a thumb injury. Irv Smith Jr. Vikings tight end. He suffered a thumb injury and he had thumb surgery. Uh, he's expected, it sounds like, to miss the rest of the summer, so including training camp and, and the preseason. But the Vikings are hopeful that he will be ready for week one versus the Packers. Now, he just is coming off of a year where he missed the entire season due to a knee injury. And now he's got this. Uh, it just seems you're starting to feel bad for him because he can't, he can't stay on the field um, for whatever reason. And now it's a, a thumb issue. Um, so should the Vikings sign or, or trade for another tight end or should they just roll with uh, the guys they got? Cause I still think they have like five or six tight ends on their roster right now. Yeah. So I'm thinking about it. I, I'm still scarred from the Chris Herndon trade. <laughs> and I know that one move doesn't mean that the other moves won't pan out, but I mean, what are you going to get here? Like, are you going to get somebody else's third round? And, and by the way, Irv Smith's supposed to be back. If it's not week one, it'll be week two. And, yeah. and maybe, you know, worst case scenario, he's like full strength playing full snaps by week four or five or something right. like that. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm not sky is falling here. I mean, even when you look at the free agents, you got Jimmy Graham, you got Gronk, who's only going to play for Tampa Bay when Tom Brady calls in week 12. Sorry, Kyle Rudolph, mm -hmm. Eric Ebron, Blake Jarwin. I mean, Jarwin's interesting if they can figure out something there, but I mean, they seem to like who they have. They like Johnny freaking Munt. They like, mm -hmm. uh, Zach Davidson. Although, uh, Wes Phillips said he played against a whole bunch of Wes Phillips at, uh, Davidson college or not Davidson. That's his last name. Central Missouri, Southwest state or something. Blue mountain university. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Last chance. Like they, I know. I don't understand why Zach Davidson is not a special team superstar because he's like good. here, Matthew Caller always talks about Kirk plays, but he's never said this. Like you have Zach Davidson in the back because he was like a superstar punter in college. Yeah. So you have him in the back and everybody's like, oh no, what's he going to do? And then he takes a snap and he puts it behind his back and Chaz Surratt's running reverse behind him. So, <laughs> You have Chad Surratt run to the side. Then you have Zach Davidson run out for a route. And then Chad Surratt hits him. This is also assuming Chad Surratt can throw or even makes the team because I haven't heard of him. I'm still not convinced he's a real person. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. But oh, You're right. Uh, but he's he's pretty fast, uh, Zach Davidson, because he ran his 40 and 464. So that's pretty fast for... A tight end and Troy Williamson was fast too. <laughs> well, they, well, I'm just saying for a guy his size, he's pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty fast. Um, because I think 
they were I think Cousins was talking about him like almost reaching 21 miles an hour or something and he's got up to 20 point whatever um but yeah I the thing I think is just more focus or more time's going to be spent on making sure that KJ Osborne gets you know more focus on this offense because I think someone like Irv Smith is probably going to take some targets away from from KJ Osborne and now he's got this time and camp to uh, really you know, build a better, I guess, connection with with cousins, and uh, maybe they'll be able to work more on maybe some stuff with Dalvin Cook or or Madison or Chandler out of the backfield because Nwangu's hurt right now. Um, but then I was thinking, I feel like this would be a perfect opportunity to kind of we've talked about this in the past a little bit, but but transition CJ Hammond to a bit more of like an H back kind of thing where he can line up at tight end, he can line up in the backfield, he can go wide um just just use him in different ways because it seems like from what i've seen from all the stuff being posted on it in camp i haven't seen a whole lot about cj ham and i i don't know if that's good or bad um but it doesn't seem like he's a really even like a, a little part of of their new offensive scheme and they've said they want to try and work him in there and stuff but it doesn't seem like he's going to be that big of a part I, we could be wrong because They've been running bland stuff all summer, and Kevin O'Connell doesn't want you to record video. Um, but I think it would just be a good time to maybe try that and see if if they can do some of that because they're going to have time, at least on the practice field, to make up for Irv Smith's loss. Um, so that's that's my thoughts on it. But sticking going back to Irv Smith, you know he's missing this month now. Who knows if it's longer? Because it could be. Just came off a season where he missed the whole year. He's uh, in the last year of his contract. There is no reason why the Vikings should bring Irv Smith back next year, right? There is. Okay. So I talked to Luke Braun, who is the host of the Locked On Vikings podcast. He came on my podcast, the Homer Horn. And the football party. And, and the football party now. That is yeah. that is a thing again. Yeah. Um, he came on the Homer Horn podcast where you can get wherever you get your favorite shows. Cheap pop yeah. there. But uh, he mentioned these aren't connected injuries. It's really like the Brian Bucks or Brian Buxton, Byron Buxton uh, thing going on with the twins where, yeah, he's had a whole bunch of these injuries, but none of them are connected. You know, it's he, he had a hamstring. Then he broke his thumb. Then he broke his hand. Then he, you know, stubbed his toe or whatever. Like that's kind of what's too. going on with. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what's going on with Irv Smith is that you have all these little injuries. And remember, Kyle Rudolph, everybody's hero who pushed mm-hmm. off in that playoff game in 2019. He missed eight games in each of the first three years he was playing. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of plays well to Irv Smith Jr. Because did we really want him playing in preseason anyway? Like to get his no. legs under him, maybe. But I mean, like I said, Mike Zimmer basically sacrificed him to try to get a preseason touchdown last year. And it, it blew up in their face. They were without one of their top targets. So I, I know this team can adapt offensively. I trust the coaching staff to do that. And you mentioned it too. Maybe we see more CJ Ham. Maybe we see more KJ Osborne, three receiver sets. Um, it's not, oh, Dalvin's hurt, hurt. Let's put Alexander Madison and run him up the middle 40 times because that's all he can do. Like this is a very versatile scheme. So I kind of uh, trust the coaching staff to get through this time. And when Irv Smith comes back, if he has a big gear, they're going to have a hard decision to make because they know his injury history. They know his 
lack of production, honestly, and they'll need to sit down and hammer out a contract. So I'm not completely done with him. I was done when I heard the news, but once Luke kind of brought that up, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And you know, once you get into week one, week two, let's just see what he does this year. Like I'm, I'm really interested to see how it turns out. Yeah. Two things. I don't think this new regime wants is going to invest in like a big contract for a tight end. So if, if they can bring him back no. cheap on a one or two year contract, I think that's what it'll do, which I don't know if uh, another team might come along like the Jaguars or something and, and offer him a, a bunch of money. And, that, and, and if that happens, go ahead, get your money. Um, but you can't give him, you can bring him back. I'll agree with you there, but don't give him a bunch of money and give him incentive contract or whatever, but he might be able to get something better. And then the other thing is the old regime we might have looked at this this injury and been like, oh, they're you know they're screwed if you can't play week one or whatever. But with this new regime, I feel like they might be able to use this more to their advantage and and go like cause the the Packers that they're playing in week one to be more you know not really knowing what they're what they're going to do in that game. Is Irv Smith going to play? If he does, how much are they going to use him? You know, is he not going to play? Are they going to use KJ Osborne more? Are they going to run more? Like so, this 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 is the illusion of complexity that Kevin O'Connell likes to talk about and it's already being used it can it cannot it can already be used with this this injury and we're seeing many different approaches that they can use this with so um looking at some top three not well yeah looking at some former Vikings who could have been great if not for injuries which is which which we feel like this might be Irv Smith. He's on that. He's on that track. This injury isn't serious, but he's he's getting this this injury bug because he's missed time before in the past too. And he has he we he has he has this potential. We keep hearing now about how he's going to break out and just has a bunch of setbacks. But you know, looking back, who are are some of the former Vikings players that you think could have been great uh, if not for injuries? Maybe maybe your top three if you have any. So I'm not going to spoil your list, but I think you have the big three. So I'll let yeah. you okay. Uh, okay. unveil them. All right. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you go first. You okay. have the big three. And, okay. and those no. were the three that I would have had. But I, yeah. I want a different route. At number three, I got Teddy Bridgewater. Now people are going to be like, oh, he's terrible or whatever. And like he was on, he wasn't even that good when he played. And it's like, but he was there was a lot of talk about him going into that 2016 summer and camp. He had a good camp and everything. There was a lot of hype about him going in that season and then he had that knee injury and that really affected you know his future um you know maybe he's not maybe he's more able to take more risks today than uh he was uh prior or if he doesn't have the injury um and then you look at someone like percy harvin who won the rookie of the year in 2009 um, had a couple other good seasons, was playing at like an MVP level in, I believe, 2012 or 2013. 2012, those, yeah. 2012. And then he got hurt and he dealt with a bunch of injuries throughout his career, hip issue, migraines, you know, you name it. Uh, he dealt with them and eventually it just resulted in him just not being able to play anymore. Although I think there was something recently where he was like, oh, I can play. Yeah, because you haven't played in two years, so you haven't been able to get hurt. And then number one, it's got to be Keith Keith Millard because he won Defensive Player of the Year uh, with the Vikings, and then shortly after that, like blew out his knee, and he was never the same. 
Uh, so those are those are the three that I think probably could have been great if not for injuries. So I looked at this and I, I, I was trying to rack my brain with guys that I could have thought of. But uh, the two that I came up with are both running backs. And it's Robert Smith and Michael Bennett. And Robert Smith, you're probably like, what? He had fourth straight thousand yard seasons yeah. to end his career. And then he abruptly retired. But those first four years, he had a ton of injuries. I think he had a torn ACL. I think he had a couple of muscle pulls, uh, that sort of thing. And then, you know, he just winds up kind of balling at the end of his career and being like, ah, I'm good. I, I suffered too many injuries. If he doesn't suffer those injuries, does he play longer? And also, how are those first years after getting drafted? Like, those are kind of things. Like, it's amazing to kind of think of because four years injuries, like, Teams aren't going to keep running backs around that long these days. So, I mean, there was a lot of patience there. And Robert Smith eventually paid off. Uh, Bennett was a different case. Former first-round pick uh, out of Wisconsin. But uh, 1,296 yards, five touchdowns, and a Pro Bowl in 2002. Then he had the broken foot. I think he had a torn ACL and a couple of things. But he was like a world-class sprinter at running back, which is definitely ideal. So. Um, you do wonder what happened if he didn't get hurt there. I mean, those are the two I can think of. Um, there's probably more like, I, I know Kadechi Udeza was like bad on top of it, but I mean, when people call him a bust, I'm like, well, he also had leukemia at one point. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of a, that's kind of a thing. People just slide under the, uh, thing. what about Culpepper? Culpepper is another one. Yeah. I mean, if he doesn't get hurt in 2000, that was a year after he was like borderline MVP. Yep. Yeah, you wonder how long he could have played, but at a high level. He wound yeah. up playing for a while, but mm-hmm. you know, he's probably the Vikings franchise quarterback throughout the 2000s. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. yeah, 2000s is in as far as that decade, not the entire millennium. Yeah. That'd be crazy, but yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of what ifs, especially recently it feels like. Um hopefully Irv Smith's able to get back and be normal, but I have more faith that this coaching staff will be able to figure out how to work their offense without him. One, he's not the focal point of the offense, and, and two, they feel like they just they're just better offensive coaches that they have now than they have had in the past. Moving on to the next topic, which is still sticking with the offense, and it doesn't have to do with anyone that's hurt, but it just has to do with someone who still stinks, and that's Garrett Bradbury. So all off season we hear about, oh, Garrett Bradbury is fine. He's there's a reason why he was a first round pick. This coaching staff's trying to build him up and everything, and that we're all like, uh, "Have you what? Have you watched him like the last few seasons at all? Like just getting run over by defenders?" And the coaching staff's like, "No, no, no. He's our he's our guy. Didn't bring any like experienced centers this off season. Really didn't sign JC Treader. Didn't really draft anyone. Um, but this week the Vikings put on pads in training camp and." Uh, the new Viking staff found out firsthand why Garrett Bradbury is not one of the best centers in the league because he was reportedly getting dominated, put on his back by guys like Harrison Phillips and, and other defensive linemen. Then, you know, later on the week, uh, Chris Reed, the free agent uh, offensive lineman that the Vikings signed this offseason, has recently been working with the second team offense as a center. Um, so maybe the Vikings are slowly preparing for maybe another option at center if Bradbury keeps struggling. But at the same time, Chris Reed, like who knows if he's even going to be that much better. But at this point, you know, 
it's like is is there any way the Vikings can go into this season without Bradbury as their starting center? It's like what what can they do? Does it should they just give the job to Chris Reed and just say go with it because it can't be worse than Garrett Bradbury, right? Well, it sounds like Chris Reed is having trouble snapping the football, yeah, which yeah, is also a prerequisite that. for center, um, yeah. especially when you're going in the shotgun, which that that should help Kirk because apparently Garrett Bradbury's underparts are like a rainforest, according to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Kirk, <laughs> the ultimate creature of comfort, that's a that's a problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he can't get the snap down, you're especially screwed. Like it, it is funny to me, kind of looking back. And Luke mentioned this too on my podcast, but when the Vikings were on the clock in the third round, they took Brian Asamoah with the 66th overall pick. There were a ton of centers available that kid from at Nebraska. that pick. Yep. Uh, Jurgens went in the second round. Okay, okay. Beef Jurgens, the jerky guy. <laughs> that, that's who I wanted, but Philadelphia took him because they value the center position. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, heck, they took Ed Ingram over a potential center. That might have he might have been on the board there if we're uh, kind of going back in time, but I I mean they, they they just didn't bring anybody in, and I mean it's kind of just like they'll probably get to the end of the preseason and go um we're in trouble, but I mean yeah. from what I've heard practice has been very sloppy, and I think the the beginning part of it is that Chris Reed and Garrett Bradbury are having a tough time at center, so. I, I guess we'll see. I mean, J- JC Treader can't walk. Something's wrong at this point. Like that, they he's ha- not. They signed. have they have another guy. I think a undrafted rookie like Josh Shok- Sokol or something. Sokol. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, very close to Skull, but not close enough. Um, so yeah, their options are are limited at center. I believe. Um, yeah, it's just it's not looking good, and it, it's. It's something where I think this this coaching staff and this regime kind of looked at this roster and was like, "Oh, we can we can, you know, get more out of of Garrett Bradbury than the the previous regime. Like we can do it." And then they see him, you know, try and pass block, and they're like, "Maybe not." Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know. It's just disappointing because, like, it seemed like a glaring weakness of the, of the Vikings going into the offseason. And everybody knew it, but it seemed like the, the team just decided to ignore it and be like, you know, let's just go with, go with what we got. Um, and whether they felt like the options that they were available to them weren't as good, which I don't know. But because I just bring this up because when Garrett Bradbury was out, what did he have COVID last year? Is that why he missed some time? Ah, uh, so. both. He, he was bad so. and got benched and he had COVID. Yeah. So Mason Cole came in though. Yeah. Like Mason Cole not hey, hey. known like he he wasn't good for the Cardinals. He comes in, he is way 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 better than Garrett Bradbury, yeah. which is not hard. The bar is very low <laughs> for, for, to be better than Garrett Bradbury. But like that's why I look at someone like Chris Reed and I'm like if he can just just put it together, just get the snaps right. I feel like he can just be better like than Garrett cuz I don't know, man. Do you want do you want more fumbles or do you want Kirk Cousins to get annihilated? Because that's really what you're picking between right now. Um, so hopefully Chris Reed can get the, the snap situation down. Maybe he's just a little rusty because he hasn't played center in a while. Hopefully. Um, because I just can't see 
Bradbury being the starting center for this team, at least for the not the whole season. Like if he becomes a problem, you they got to do something early in the year and, and fix it because you can't let that just ruin your season. But Garrett Bradbury, first round pick. We talked about this guy earlier too, Treadwell, first round pick. Which was a worse first round pick during the Rick Spielman era, Garrett Bradbury or Laquan Treadwell? It was Treadwell. At least Bradbury has started for the Vikings for most of his four years. I mean, Treadwell had one catch for 15 yards in his rookie year. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it was 20 I for 200 in year two. Night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I mean, Bradbury at least seems like competent. Like if you were a backup center, you would just be like, okay, go in there and give her hell. Right. Like Treadwell. It's just like, if you have to start Laquan Treadwell. You're screwed. Like, I don't know. And plus the attitude of Treadwell yeah. just kind of, yeah. that always mixes in with the bust factor for me. So did Bradbury maybe benefit more from the position that he plays? Given that receiver, you just have so many other options. Like if, if Treadwell doesn't work, okay, then you got Thielen, you got Diggs, you got Jarius Wright or whatever. Like they have a, more people to turn to other than, than Treadwell. Where with Bradbury, you got like one or two guys who can play center. And, and I also feel like the Vikings were kind of guilty during the Spielman era of, of playing first round picks, regardless of whether they were good or not. Like this, they're like, this guy's a first round pick. He needs to play. And it's like, why? What if he is terrible? He doesn't need to play because he's a first round pick. You can just admit that your pick was bad and play the right people. But I think they they kind of did this a couple times uh, with guys like Bradbury. But uh, yeah, you got to go with Treadwell. It's just he just wasn't good. He was a first round pick. You got to be better. You got to. You got to. We mentioned Troy Williamson earlier. He had better stats than Treadwell did with the Vikings. And he's regarded as like one of the worst picks ever in Vikings history. So you got to be better than Troy Williams and Treadwell. So, yeah, he's he's the worst one. All right. Moving on to the next topic. Kicking. Vikings and kicking. You know, we love kickers. Vikings hey. fans love kickers. It's our favorite subject to talk about. Uh, earlier this week, Vikings special teams coach Matt Daniels guaranteed that Greg Joseph will have the best season of his career in 2022. Um, I wonder if he likes to like walk under ladders too and break mirrors, you know, he just tempts fate all the time. Daniels revealed earlier uh, or during his press conference or whatever, that Joseph had converted 33 of 35 kicks in training camp. Pretty good. Uh, and then on Wednesday's in Wednesday's practice, Joseph went eight for eight on all of his field goal attempts, including one from 58 yards away. So he's on fire. Uh, Greg Joseph is one thing. This is training camp. A lot of guys are on fire, especially kickers, because they don't. There's not a whole lot of pressure. Um, but judging from what Joseph has done so far, and, and the rave reviews he's getting from Daniels, how much of a relief? Would it be for the Vikings to have a reliable kicker in 2022? It, it would. I mean, we'll never be comfortable with a kicker, right? No, that's never, just that's just how we're wired. But yeah. um, it's Thanks, a good Gary change. Anderson. I'd rather have him say this than you know Mike Zimmer carrying a shotgun <laughs> on the sideline in the line. preseason. Yeah, 
you missed an extra point. I'm going for two to send a message. <laughs> Daniel Carlson, how dare you? Like, mm-hmm. I I like Matt Daniels a lot. Kind yeah. of just watching his yeah. press conferences, yep. seeing his kind of demeanor. Um, he seems like he could be a guy that climbs up the ladder and eventually becomes a head for sure. coach. For sure. Um, I, I, I am comfortable with Greg Joseph. It's just a matter of what happens. Like, yeah, we got it goes along. Like it, it just kind of like let it ride at this point. You kind of have to. And I mean, yeah. if Matt Daniels is like telling him, I'd rather have Matt Daniels be like, you're the man, you're going to make this kick. You're going to do all this. What, what kind of hash do you want it on? Where, where do you want it? Like mm-hmm. make those empower the kickers like yeah. that. That's a good thing. Cause they're part of the team too. They, they've talked about this, how everybody's got a role on the team. And Mike Zimmer never bought into that. He just thought kickers and offense were this unnecessary evil. And therefore, they should be banished to the nether realm. Like, they should just play defense all the time. So, yeah, I, I like it. We'll see if it translates in the games. Because like you said, there's nobody rushing at them. There's no screaming fans or anything. It's impossible to simulate. But... I would rather have him knock down kick after kick in practice than, oh my God, it went off the upright. It's wide left, wide right, short, et cetera. So, I mean, just the fact that Mike Zimmer is not there, like staring in your soul whenever you miss a kick has got to be a giant relief for right. Greg Joseph. Like he could have, he could have missed a, a, of 60 yarder last year and Mike Zimmer would have been pissed at him for, for not making it. Um, yeah. Like you said, he just didn't have any time for kickers, but that's kind of, that's probably a big reason of why he wasn't able to be as successful as he probably could have. You know, he, he didn't like kickers and, and how much they impact the game. But at some point you got to realize these guys do impact the game and I can't set myself up for failure by not like just, just ignoring them and not helping them. So I think, the new special teams coach, at least Matt Daniels has taken a, a more proactive approach of, you know, at least building up these guys confidence because kickers need confidence. Like kicking in the NFL is a very much mental uh, position, maybe more than any other position uh, in the NFL, probably. Um, so I like this strategy that, that the Vikings are doing now, you know, build them up with confidence. And if they miss, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. If you miss like four or five, okay, then yeah, we're going to start to look for someone else. But, you know, a miss is a miss. Sometimes things don't work out the way that you planned and it happens. But sounds like this strategy is proving off, proving to be the right one because Joseph is just lighting it up in camp. And, uh, but, you know, once again, Vikings and kickers were very cautious when it comes to to kickers so you know thinking of that sticking on that subject um who in your lifetime is the best vikings kicker of all time it's gotta be ryan longwell right yeah i I mean i think blair walls 2012 was probably the best individual season because he had like nine 50 yard field goals right yeah um Revez back in the 90s i think he had a pro bowl appearance Wow. Uh, Gary Anderson until you know what happened. That that was an incredible season. (laughs) Yeah, it was perfect until you know what, um, like all, all the good Viking seasons, 
you, you look at these guys like this guy was really good. This guy, but he did this. This guy was really good, but he did this. This guy was really good, but he did like even Ryan Longwell at the end of the 2009 NFC championship game. Are we sure he would have made that kick? Yeah, right. Because his career long was just a couple of yards inside of where they were. Like the best play for the Vikings to run in that situation was a run up the middle. Yeah. But I don't. Uh, now some nerd's gonna be like, they they didn't have any timeouts. Why are you there? <laughs> and like, yeah, okay. I I don't know off the top of my head, but I mean, they should have just ran something quick, got a couple yards, and we're on our way to the Super Bowl. But it's just funny. It's funny because the Vikings have had. I'm looking at the list now, like the all-time leading kickers and stuff, and they've just had so many kickers just within the last like 30 years of just guys that have attempted kicks. You think we talked about Daniel Carlson to begin with? He's in there. You know, Blair Walsh, Dan Bailey, Kai Forbath, uh, Gary Anderson, Ryan Longwell, Scott Sisson, Aaron Elling, Morton Anderson, Eddie Murray, Doug Bryan, like. All these guys, Paul Edinger, just so many kickers, which is why Vikings just Vikings fans just want nothing to do with kickers. Just like like they have similar feelings to Mike Zimmer, but you know they're willing to give them a chance at at the beginning. But then when things start to go the way they usually go, then it's just like here we go again, kickers. And I think ru- ruin our season. And I think in the last couple of years, the games came down to late kicks because the Vikings uh-huh. weren't aggressive enough. Yep. It was. Defense, defense, defense. Oh, shoot. We need a field goal. Well, get in there, you sorry sack of crap. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's you better the thing not miss too. or else I'll cut you. That's the thing, too. Mike Zimmer always talked about wanting to play close games. If you want to play close games, then why don't you make sure you have a really good kicker? Like, right. wouldn't you think that would be very important to your strategy? You it's like the twins laying their pitchers go five innings and then turning it over to a bad bullpen. Like, yeah. what did you think was going to happen? Like, the, your strategy, you like destroyed your own method of winning by not having a good kicker. So uh, that's pretty confusing. Best kicker. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm I'm going to do it. I'm going to do Gary Anderson. Cause he, sure. had a perfect, he had a perfect season. Can't get much better than that. Well, you can. I can think of perfect. one kick. Okay. But, uh, okay. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Regular season. Let's let's sure. label it that perfect. Regular season. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you like as much as people like to blame him for the NFC championship, which I do not because the Vikings shouldn't even been in that position and they were up. Yeah, they were up. Their defense still should have stopped the, the Falcons from scoring. Um, don't but, take a knee at halftime either. Correct. And they wouldn't have probably even been in position to be in the NFC championship if not for some of those kicks that, that Gary Anderson made. I know they put up a lot of points, but there were some games that were pretty close as well, and they needed his help. Um, so I'm going to go Gary Anderson. I, I'm I'm here for you, Gary. You know, if you need a shoulder, you're still, you know, sad about 98 like everyone else. Didn't um, he come back too? Like he, he, he was did. there in 99, and he then did. didn't he come back another year? He did. Let's see. 2002, I think. Because they, oh, yeah, they had a because really bad kicker. Doug Ryan was the kicker. It was the He's Buffalo terrible. game. And NFL Films mic'd up Mike Tice. And he <laughs> got caught saying, F it, call Gary. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Oh, man. Um, in, uh, let's see, 98. Yeah, he was perfect. He was 35 for 35. But then the next year, 
He was 19 for 30, so maybe he wasn't that bad. He made 63% of his kicks for the Vikings, so maybe, yeah, maybe not. I think he was going through a divorce. Like, I, I think that did his, was... Did his wife divorce him because he missed the kick? Jeez. Might have. I like, don't know. Uh, what, what was yeah, that you're tweet, too dangerous tweet? to be around now. Let's. What was that tweet that Thomason had last year where uh, he he uh, it autocorrected and said that uh, Greg Joseph's kick uh, missed and his wife left him? I was supposed to say like wide left, but he said his wife left him and said, and people were like, oh man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, jeez. Oh, yeah. 63%. Okay. So, all right. I, I, Ryan Longwell, we can go with that. We've like, it seems like kickers for the Vikings are a lot like quarterbacks where there's been a lot of really good single seasons, but entire careers with the Vikings, not that great. It's not that they haven't tried. Like, they've oh, tried for sure. Franchise kickers. And Daniel but that's Carlson the thing too. Just, so they'll be here. Don't draft a kicker, especially if your coach is Mike Zimmer. So, yeah, yeah. Cincinnati would like to have a word, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Turned out well for them. <laughs> Last topic we can do real quick is uh, Anthony Barr finally landed with a team. His knees are apparently not made of glass. He signed with the Cowboys, one-year deal worth up to three million with incentives. So if the Vikings wanted him, clearly with the contract that he got, they could have gotten him back. Three million for a year. Uh, that's very simple. They have the cap space to do that. Um, but knowing how little he ended up costing, do you think the Vikings made a mistake by not re-signing him? I don't think he fits in the scheme. Okay. At least what they would ask him to do. So I know Kevin O'Connell mentioned him. Uh, in his introductory presser, and everybody was kind of like, oh, I guess they might bring him back. But when you think about it, the only way that he would have fit in this 3-4 slash nickel, I guess it's more nickel than 3-4, but Mm -hmm. he would have been playing next to Eric Kendricks. Well, then they signed uh, Jordan Hicks. Hicks. It's going to call him Aaron Hicks. I got baseball on the brain today, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, they signed Jordan Hicks. I mean, Bar's not as fast as he used to be. He's not a sideline to sideline guy. They talk about the illusion of complexity. And also, they never developed him as a pass rusher. Like, people thought, and I wrote about this, people thought he was this 3-4 pass rushing machine. And if he had been developed from day one as that, he would have maybe filled those expectations. But when you play that role that Zimmer had him play, he was more like a I don't want to say Derek Brooks because he's a Hall of Famer, but I mean, that's the type of role. It was a lot of coverage. It was a lot of tackling. It it was a lot of things that you don't really see, although Brooks made way more splash plays. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame. So I don't think they made I don't think they made a mistake. Plus, I I think I think Lewis Seen's gonna play some linebacker. For sure. For sure. They're already running like dime packages with three safeties on the field. Um but Barr, like the position switch that the Vikings did with Barr wasn't terrible because he made four Pro Bowls, so it wasn't like him right. terribly. And when he his first few years in the league, he was a monster everywhere. He was everywhere making play making the splash plays um that people like to talk about. And then I feel like maybe some injuries kind of ca- caught up to him and uh he played a different style for the rest of his career. But uh, you know, to get us out of here, seeing that Anthony Barr is probably gonna be in a Cowboys uniform next season. Now, which which Vikings players did you hate to see leave and, and play for another team? Looking Randy back. Moss. Yeah. 100%. I mean, if anybody's got another answer, that I mean, John Randall going to the Seahawks, that was pretty bad. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Percy Harvin getting traded. That was a yeah. bit of a yeah. punch in the jejunum. Even Diggs getting traded. Mm-hmm. I know it worked out well, but I mean, mm-hmm. you you looked at the Diggs trade initially, and you're like, again? And I still watch yeah, highlights of him. Them. Yeah, I still watch highlights of him, and I'm like, oh, I miss that dude. Just because he was just like a fun dude to cover, too. Think about it this way. Like, Stefan Diggs should have been, like, one of the gods of Vikings football. Like, yeah. he, should, he, he should have been a Ring of Honor player because yeah. of that catch, the Minneapolis Miracle, and just how good he is. But instead, Mike Zimmer is like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm not going to get you the ball. Why would I do that? And then, you know, two years later, he's like, Justin Jefferson, my job's on the line. Throw it to him as much as possible. It's like, yeah. well, <laughs> too late, I, man. I also saw, I thought of Everson Griffin because it was just weird to see him in like a Lions uniform and, and Cowboys and even Teddy, just especially because he was on the Saints. And I'm like, ah, like, Anybody but the Saints. Come on. It's like when Santa's little helper uh, got picked up by Mr. Burns and they like pried his eyes open and it was just like dogs being like <laughs> I, I chased by the mailman or something. I don't know. Like I, I didn't want to, I mean, it's not funny. I, I don't think it was dog abuse. I was going to use that word, but I mean, it was he was just showing like dogs just like they're hanging out with Michael Vick. Yeah, yeah, it was just Michael Vick highlights and Santa's little helpers. Like, I hate everyone now. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of players that have. Did Kevin Williams play for this, the Seahawks? Like for a randomly oh, for one year, he went somewhere. I, I think, think he went somewhere for one year. Yeah, it might have been Shema- the Saints. I know Shamar Stefan played for the Seahawks, and that was just devastating. Um, the world's greatest nose tackle, man. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be devastated? <laughs> Uh, let's see. Where, where where did he play? He played for the Seahawks and the Saints. Oh wow. Okay. Jeez Louise. And it seems like every like form every Viking, if they go somewhere else, pretty much all go to the Seahawks for some reason. There's like a it's pipeline like, or something. It's like Sydney Rice, go to Minnesota. Tavares Jackson, Soda. Percy Harvin, Carl Eller, John Randall, Warren Moon. Just the list keeps going on. Pete Carroll. All right. I think we're done for today. Um, If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel. And if you are, we appreciate you for doing that already. Uh, Make sure to like this video. I already said that. Make sure to subscribe to the show, audio form as well, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And we will talk to you on Monday. We're getting closer to the Vikings' first preseason game, which is what you said, the 15th the 14th? 15. All right. Just good work by us. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I think. We'll check it. We'll check. We'll have it ready for the next show. Um, right. But yeah, go check that out. Uh, make sure to follow Vikings on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, but until next week, Chris and I talk to you later. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.